Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we're good. So how you doing, man? Doing well. Just got out of a parish group, church group, dinner thing, and that was in Moscow. So that's why I wasn't sure exactly when we'd be back, but made it back. Did, did you guys just start doing that Monday nights? No, we've been doing it for about, I think we started going to the group like last October. Okay. October, yeah. November. Cool. And you called it, did you call it parish group? Yeah, that's what they call it. Huh. Is that like, I mean, when I think of the word parish, I think of, honestly, I think of like church in Downton Abbey. Is it like an older term or an Anglican term or a... No, it's a Roman Catholic term. I mean, probably before Roman Catholic, but I mean, hmm. the whole idea is that's supposed to, like, you had a parish church. Okay. Like if you go, go to any old, um, any old European city, there will be churches like in each block. Okay, so it's like yeah. a very tight community church. Right, right. Okay. Huh. And so you've got parishes, like your parish group, and then you've got your, your big church on Sunday. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, it's a community group. It's just a different Just called community. something else. Yeah. Right. Well, cool. All right. So you got just got back from that. And just it was got really... back from Vancouver last night. Oh yeah, you were here and I was elsewhere. We had a we had a bit of an adventure this last week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not in a super positive sense. Enjoying had, California. Yeah, we were. Yes, yeah, so we just all got that it. All it is. Mm -hmm. All that's left of it. All that's left of it. Actually, all of their road projects. Um, they, you know how, in Washington it says like your tax dollars at work. Uh huh. In um, California it says rebuilding California. And my wife was like, well, Oof. does that, does that mean that like Oof. it fell apart? <laughs> Oof. And I was like, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, no, we were driving at the bottom of a Canyon in the middle of nowhere. And, um, the river was real pretty. And then I noticed that I was not, um, a hundred percent on the road and popped a tire and blew out the sidewall pretty good. And so we had to change the tire on a, it was on an incline in soft gravel and yeah. And it was, we were borrowing my in-laws car because it's more reliable. Basically uh -huh. it was, uh, we were going to rent a car and then things happened and that didn't work out anyway. So then we, we had to, we, we had to ask somebody like we didn't have a pump and the spare was, hadn't been used in a really long time. And so it wasn't full and, and, you know, it's like, then there's one thing and yeah, it just, uh, it made for an interesting last few days up there. And then, um, the camp that we were at decided to, there are more cases in California than a certain, some certain threshold and they haven't locked the state down, but the camp wanted to demonstrate that they were, they basically wanted to make sure that the camp for the like their main ministry purpose, which was kids, stayed open. And so they shut all public, like facing parts of it down. 
Uh huh. And so the activities that we'd planned, we got we got our money refunded, but then it was like we couldn't do the things that we had kind of planned on. And so it was. That's yeah. It was just. I mean, it's understandable, but also. Yeah, it was. It was just. A, it was a little bit of a bummer, and yeah, just is what it is. Um, it's actually something that my wife and I've been we're talking about quite a bit. Do you think? Uh, well, here's one question before I before I poison any water. Do you think you'll send okay. your kids to a summer camp, like where it's them and uh, you know, like do you know what I mean when I said? Did you ever go to summer camps growing up? Um, like without your like not a family camp, but like you were with a bunch of people in like a youth group kind of setting for a week or a couple I did, of days. I did that. Well, to what age? Um, I mean, what what ages did you? Like, so I, so went, I can think of two examples. Like two different summers that you went two, for a week or something? Yeah. Two, I, I can think of two examples. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. So I grew up going to like a Baptist slash non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. And every summer there was a week-long trip that we went on. Um, in middle school, it was called Camp Surf. In high school, it was called Camp Canada. I bet you can guess where we went for those two. And then Eastern Escape was the one. There was even one in college, right? Where we it was a little bit less structured, but, you know. Yeah, and it was, you know, between 100 and 200 kids-ish. But college, so were, it's called an internship. Well, but it was for like five days at the, like we would go rafting. And it was, I mean, we were camping basically for a couple of days. Not quite an internship, um, but it was, you know, it was in, in the summer anyway. And in all of these camps in the place that my wife and I went to this last week, it was one of the things that they really focused on was like, I think they even called it a decision night where the gospel is proclaimed in a somewhat concise way, which is fine. The gospel is not so complex that you can't get through it in a short amount of time, depending on how in-depth you get and questions that, that people have. But in this scenario, it's like it's just somebody on a stage and they explain the gospel and then and then basically call you to, you know, repent. And, and they're like, they kind of pointed out two different ways that people, it's like either people are giving their life to Christ or they are rededicating their life. And one of the things that my wife and I were talking about was like, well, if you rededicate your life every year, well then, or if you give your life every year, in the one sense, it's like, well, that seems too often because you're like, how often do you get married? <laughs> how often do you get married? But how often do you think about like, in the one sense, it's way, it's way too frequent, right? In that sense. And then in the other sense, it's like, well, it's not definitely not often enough. Like you should be right. Like it's a relationship. Like how often do you get married once? How often do you stay married a bunch of times every day? You know, Yep. you have, I mean, not that you, you're like reconsidering the decision a bunch every day, but you're exactly, you're in that relationship every day. Exactly. And so it's like, well, is that, you know, in the, in, on the one hand, it's, parents want their kids to have to be at a safe place that has fun that is i mean of course a kid is going to want to spend time with their friends 
you know, if all, all the friends are going up to Hume for the, the week, then of course they would want to go. And, you know, it's, they're going to be safe for the week, you know, that they're going to be fed, you know, that, you know, they're not going to get into too much trouble and um, they're going to have a lot of like really fun experiences and that they'll do worship and like they'll have the gospel proclaimed, which of course we would want our children to have. But there's something that just like, I'm just not quite sure what, why I feel unease about that. Because there's no biblical warrant for it. No biblical warrant for what? Camps? No, for for the altar call. There's no biblical call, biblical warrant for an altar call. Period. For the the constant sales pitch, altar mm-hmm. call, rededicate your life. The mm-hmm. that 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 came about in the 1800s with with Charles Finney and was picked up by um, Moody, and then um, Billy Billy Graham. Billy Graham was the. There was another guy between Moody and Graham. Um, maybe it was Finney, but, but at any rate, the, the idea was to make the salvation experience more of more emotionally appealing Hmm. and that like we should appeal to the emotions as we appeal to reason, but it turned it into more of a, um, in some cases, a slimy sales pitch instead of a um i would say in, instead of actually focusing on christ and his work and sanctification hmm. it's kind of like when 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 my wife and i we, we pray for couples who are getting married we pray more for the marriage than we do for the wedding <laughs> yeah yeah one of those you want to be really really good and the other is like well it's a day right like, of course, you want it to be a beautiful thing that is everything they want it to be and more, but the difference in importance is astounding. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, huh. Yeah, I'll have to, th- I'll have to spend some time thinking about that. I mean, I don't think that's a reason to not send your kid to a camp, but, um, that's what, what is, what isn't a reason? Um, the fact that there's going to be an altar call there. Okay. And, and the two camps I went to definitely didn't have altar calls. One was a lacrosse camp, um, <laughs> and the other one was a was a camping trip with a bunch of people f- my age from church. Yeah, and it was, okay. and and being in more of a Presbyterian context, the assumption was that we were um, being raised up in our families to grow up into the faith, as opposed to being apostates or not apostate, but just pagans who needed to be called into the faith. I don't know that, I mean, even though theologically you could say that is kind of what Baptists would believe, I don't think that practically they believe that. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a definite inconsistency between action and belief there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Get into to waters that I have not thought about, that I haven't delved into too deeply in it. Well, maybe you, maybe you, you, uh, considering you married a Lutheran, maybe you should have. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, apostolic Lutherans are the least Lutheran of all the Lutherans is what I've been told by them. They're more, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember what the words that they used. But how do they view children? Uh, they, they view children in the, this is the way that you've described, raised right. up in the faith. Yeah. 
But as far as like, I mean, uh, we went to a Lutheran church when we were uh, out of town one time. And it was very like the high church only. What's that? Yeah. Very high church. The only thing that was not prescripted or liturgy was the sermon itself. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And that was fairly short as far as the service went. So that was a very, it was a very peculiar experience for both of us. And I think that, that she'd, yeah, it was just. We we actually went to an Anglican wedding this weekend. Oh, really? How was that? What is, how is that different than the wedding that I saw you at most recently? Um, very different. It was an hour and a half. Wow. Okay. For the wedding. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the wedding is a whole, is a church service. Okay. And, and so you have all, all the common elements to a church service. Um, the only thing that was, I think, missing was the time of confession. But you had the, the exhortation. You had the, um, the, the sermon. There was the Lord's Supper. And there was a singing, singing of hymns, prayer. Mm-hmm. Respond, like the word was read from the old new testament and, and the gospel and a psalm was and there was a responsive psalm so, so there's scripture throughout throughout it the but the it definitely culminated in the lord's supper like the lord's mm. supper was the vast majority of it so kind of right around the way they wove the the marriage into it is they at at the kind of opening they had the giving of the bride and then right around the time of the sermon, uh, I think just after the sermon, they had the exchange of vows and rings. And then when they did the the passing of the peace before communion, that's when they did the first kiss. And then after the prayer of Thanksgiving for communion is when they presented the husband and wife for the first time. That is very different than most all the weddings that I've been to. Right. With one exception, which was a Catholic wedding. and Okay, I want to ask, yeah, tell me about the Catholic wedding. Well, I mean, it's a lot of what you described um, in that they did the Lord's Supper. It was, mm-hmm. it was yeah, an hour or maybe, maybe it was an hour and a half. I was very, um, the whole, it was, a, it was very culturally different. Um, I think in part because the family was, half the family was uh, Hispanic. Uh-huh. And, and so there were like the wedding went from one ish and I think we left at 10 PM. Right. Um, and there was a break in the middle when they, I don't, I don't know what was happening during that time, but it was, it was a friend of my, a coworker of my wife's. And so there was the like eight of us who were like, that was how we knew her. And then there was everybody else. And it was just, and maybe both sides were Catholic because everybody partook of the Lord's Supper, except for us eight. Uh huh. And yeah, how uh, did you? Well, how did you decide not to? What What about the Lord's Supper in a Catholic setting? Yeah, it was. Um, it, I mean, it was because I knew that they believed in transubstantiation, and um, that's not. I, that feels different enough for me that we're not sharing of the same 
like that's just not what I believe. And right. so I did I didn't feel comfortable partaking and I I yeah. And, I and that was that one they, of the interesting things to me about kind of processing the Anglican service. It seemed so I've never been to a Catholic service, but it seemed like what you see in the movies sort of thing. <laughs> it's really um, Catholic. And there were all these there was all this symbolism and kind of mystic act going mm-hmm. on that I th- I think if I talk to someone who's an Anglican, they would say it doesn't mean what it means for a Catholic. But when I press them on what, and I didn't do this yesterday, but in the past when that's, I pressed. That's nice of you, Kyle, to not I, do that during I, a wedding. Well, I also, I also had to go to a friend's uh, jujitsu promotion right after the <laughs> wedding. So I didn't have a lot of time to stick around and talk to people. Um, I did get to talk to a couple of people. Um, James's parents were actually there. Okay. Um, and so oh, I got to talk James. to a few people, but any, anyway, it, when I've talked to people about the Anglican service, a lot of it comes back to an appeal to tradition sure. and the, the benefits of tradition and the, and, and the, um, wonder and, and wonderfulness of tradition. Mm-hmm. And that makes me really uncomfortable when there's almost a, sense that we don't know where the tradition is coming from so like when they're ringing a bell in front of the bread and the wine when the priest is ringing the bell in front of the bread and the wine and i'm going what is this is this summoning the spirit of christ into the bread like what what are we doing here i don't think that's what catholics think by the way with the bell i don't know what it's for but i just don't think that i don't either (laughs) but it was very odd um, At the same time, it was it was cool because they um, there was there was part of the the Eucharist um, that was that I thought was was cool where they ha- they told people you know if you aren't a believer in Jesus Christ you should not take the bread and, and the wine mm-hmm. but if you aren't we still want to um, show you God's grace give you a blessing so come up fold your hands to let us know that you should not receive the elements, but then we will pronounce, pray over you basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so they they gave him a fig Newton or something instead, but okay. That seems better. And, and so I thought there was something really wonderful about the way that grace was extended to people Mm. who are outside the faith in a very visible way reminding everyone who's in the faith where we would be except for grace and, and reminding us to reach out to people who are outside the faith and invite them in, invite them to receive the benefits and blessings that come through faith in Christ alone. And the fact that the people who are outside got to experience a taste of that. Mm -hmm. And I want to be careful with the word taste because that is, major implications in Hebrews, but they get to get a sense of what they're missing out on. They get to warm their hands at the fire of fellowship. At the sure. Very least. Sure. That's a, that's a C.S. Lewis, like whatever. Uh, so did you take uh, the Lord's Supper there? I did not. And half of it was because I wasn't sure. And mm-hmm. half of it was because it was nap time for the kids and it would have been a little bit crazy to, to take them up to the front. I see. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hmm. I think I would have been comfortable enough that it was Protestant and not Catholic, that if it had just been me there by myself or just Hmm. my wife and I, I would have said, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and aired on the, aired on the side of extending charity to what was happening basically. (laughs) Yeah. I know. uh, But I wouldn't fault someone for making the other decision either. Sure. Yeah. We, uh, I know there's there's some people that I know that, and I think I think the in general, the better response to I don't know is no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, as opposed to yes, I feel like that leads to a lot less. I don't know if regret is the right word, or I think it leads to better outcomes in general. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and that was probably even if the. Catholic service that I had been to. This was several years ago. Even if I didn't know one way or the other, I with that like kind of back knowledge of this is generally what Catholics believe, then mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, well this is this is different enough that it's not true fellowship. And um yeah. As you discern the body, as we're supposed to do, you can look around and go, Christ is not being honored and neither is his church in how this is being handled. Yeah. Yeah, it feels bad for me to uh, to say somebody who to say to somebody, or even in this, this is somewhat public, right? You know, to ten people. Um, oh wait, now eleven. Now that James got married, pretty sure he's going to force uh, his bride to to listen. <laughs> By the way, my wife and I were driving from California, fourteen hours, right, both ways. And I didn't think of it on the way down. We were listening to a book. And then on the way back, I was like, oh, we could listen to my podcast. She was like, uh, not right now. <laughs> and then said that again later. So. And then uh, you turned it on. <laughs> no, I did. I didn't have it downloaded and I didn't want to use why I didn't want to use a cellular. So I was like, well, maybe later, maybe never. I don't know. Someday, someday. What's, dear. what's her You're aversion? Gonna- uh, she generally like listens to like one podcast a month and it's usually the journey women podcast, which we did listen to and I would highly recommend. I did get her to listen to, um, that near it y'all, uh, podcast from the knowledge project, Farnham street, the knowledge project. Yeah. Chain, chain parish. Yeah. Um, Speaking of parish, uh, yeah. Anyway, she really enjoyed that. We had a lot of really interesting discussion about yeah, it. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and and one of the things she pushed back on was like calendaring her work and or our like projects that she wants to do at home, which I thought but was interesting. Does he? Uh, he doesn't say you have to. Uh, he highly recommends it in that in that podcast. He says that if you want to get the things done that you that you want to like don't use a to-do list calendar them and calendar for them for specific times uh-huh but and you don't have to be a, a person of the persuasion that i have to get these things done in the most efficient way possible i guess yeah absolutely um but, but she was questioning whether that was the most efficient way possible she was saying that for her that wouldn't work because just some different experiences that she's had and you know, one of the things that he says in there is if you don't, you know, the measure of success isn't that you've done, isn't that you've completed a task. Uh-huh. It's that you've worked on the thing for an hour. If you said you were going to work on it for an hour, period. 
Also, studies mm -hmm. show that people who do that tend to get more things done than the people who say, I just have to get the thing done. Right. If that makes sense. And Michael Pagliani would espouse that view. Um, he was He's a philosopher of science from the mid mid 20th century. So Michael Pollani was a, was a scientist and then a philosopher of science. And, and he, he postulated the concept that someone does not do science by having it like, it's not just a matter of making a hypothesis, running some experiments and getting a result. It's a matter of practicing the science, almost like practicing writing poetry until you feel the science until you feel like you feel the words to the point that you can intuit the right way to go with your research. And I think that fits with what I always saying in the sense that it's, it's, it's deliberate time in the field that develops us and leads to long-term positive outcomes, not focusing on specific goals for a specific time. Yeah. Well, his, that's a different spin than he was at least, uh, like actively pointing to when he was talking about it. I don't know that that's a bad correlation or kind of derivative of what he was saying, but mm -hmm. his main point was that when you add things to a to-do list, you become a person who lacks integrity because if you run your life from that to-do list, because it's very easy to continually add things to your to-do list and never cross them off. Oh, I do. I'm starting, I'm starting to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's also Shane pointed out, it's also easy for somebody to usurp some, your time because uh -huh. they say, Hey, could you do the same? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then you just add it to the bottom. Or the and top, I, if they're an important person. Or the top, if they're an important person. And uh, with calendaring, you can say, somebody can say, well, can you do this thing for me? And you're like, yeah, let me look at my calendar. And you look at it and you're like, well, I can do it. Um, it'll be three, uh, three Sundays from next week. Is that fine? And it's like, well, okay, if you're pushing something out a month, maybe. You're not the maybe, right person to do it. Maybe I'm not the right person to do it, or maybe it's actually like because it's so low on my list, I don't actually want to do it. Uh huh. I don't want to push anything else out to make room for that thing. Well, then that kind of tells you something about it. Like when you have to make time for something right when you're wanting to do it, then it, I don't know, it kind of it gives you some priority. I don't know. It just tells you about your priorities a little bit. And then. If your boss is saying, hey, can you do this thing? And you've got your calendar already full. You can look to him or her and say, hey, I've already got a full work week. When do you want me to? What what should I take out so that I can? Right, right. And I, that's where I that's what I thought the brilliance of the concept was. Is it's communication tool with a superior or a supervisor. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the supervisor could be yourself, but it becomes really useful when you do have a very packed schedule. And and I haven't had a long enough term. Uh, I haven't had a schedule packed out far enough in advance that I've found a good time to use this. It's kind of recently it's been more things come up, 
day of and mm-hmm. and I handle them day of, so I haven't had to use it. But I am looking for a situation where I do know kind of this is what my next few weeks are going to look like. And so I can put together a calendar like that, show my boss and say, like, like I all said, how should is do are my priorities in order or should I change them up? Well, and, you know, what you can do without an, another option is to kind of do it eh, postmortem is probably the wrong way to say it, but just post hoc post hoc. Can you explain that term to me after this? Oh, OK. Post hoc. Um, I've got this Chrome extension that connects with my Google calendar and assuming that I name things similarly enough every, every time I do them, it'll say, here's how much time you spent this week or over this time period doing these Mm -hmm. different activities. And it breaks it out Mm -hmm. by percentage and and total hours. Nice. And so super helpful. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so even if I'm doing the stuff day of, it's like, well, all right, I thought this was going to take me an hour. It ended up taking me three that's maybe helpful information. And then when I've got um, 10 bids to do in a week, it's like, well, actually I know that each one takes me about 15 hours. Mm -hmm. Am I willing to work 150 hours this week? Like, well, no, probably not. (laughs) Um, We got to figure out which ones are going to, are going to, you know, or I need help or I need a new way to do bids so that I can do 10 in a week. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that that kind of goes with calendaring is you can say, well, I'm going to spend we, you know, at my work, which I'm I'm actually like genuinely excited to go back. So tomorrow is my first day back and I'm excited to see the people I, I work with. Oh, because you guys just got back from your trip today. Yeah, we just we got back last night pretty late and then we planned on staying or having an extra day for like laundry, unpacking or getting ready for the week, which. I would say we did, uh, I'd give us a D we did. We got some things done that we needed to, but I think that if we had been, maybe we just needed the day off. Like if we drove for, you know, four hours one day and then yesterday was, you know, we, we didn't get back until 11. Anyway, it was late. I was really tired. (laughs) So yeah, it's, uh, you can schedule what I was getting to is that you can just schedule like I'm going to. So we at my work, we use tools, these tools that I I build now. Um, right. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of the guy at work who does that. And I can say, you know what? This is actually because it makes doing bids so much easier. Working on this kind of stuff is I can spend an hour a day and that's that's time really well spent. Yep. And so. That's like, I can schedule that in. And then when my boss says, Hey, do you have time for this? It's like, well, is it okay for me to push this, this, either this project off or Mm -hmm. this other bid or one thing that makes uh, things somewhat not difficult is the wrong. It's just, I guess it's difficult is that projects will get pushed. They'll have addendum. And then it's like, well, we changed all of our plans and now we have, uh, you can do it like it's due next week instead of this week, but it's also very different. And so you have to redo a lot of stuff and it's like, well, right. You almost have to think of it as a different project. Yeah. 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 Well, building off of the previous one. I, yeah. Where you have the same, like, uh, same wall types, the same kinds of fixtures, the same kinds of X, Y, Z, but 
they're a completely different configuration and the details might work together differently. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's time for your pills, Dan. <laughs> no, it's like you. Uh, never mind. You won a Walmart gift card. I did. I won. Oh, yeah. That's what I've got a notification specifically for Walmart gift cards. Uh, Are you special? <laughs> Click the, the link. You're the millionth visitor to this website. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I keep getting texts. I told I told my wife, I was like, my phone thinks I'm fat. And she's like, what? Why did you say that? I'm like, I keep getting texts for like, Daniel, you can go from a size XXL to a small in a week. And I'm like, oh. I, I get those too. <laughs> well, Kyle, your phone might think that you're fat. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to a size small. Yeah, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that would be... The you know, crop top. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Enough of that. <laughs> jokes. That's not why people come to Socratic Hobbits. What did, what did, what did James say? Sneezy dwarves. Sneezy dwarves. Or was it the sleazy dwarves? I don't think it was that. Was it like apathetic elves? I don't know. Yeah. Bunch of ridiculous Apoplectic. Names. Apoplectic. Yeah, I was going to try to say that word, but I decided against it. By the way, he sent us an article about, from Wall Street Journal, and. And then I sent an article. You did send an Berlin. article. I didn't, I thought you were going to be closer to eight. And so I didn't finish reading your article, but. Uh, no, I said, did I say in there that it was a really long article? No. Okay. Was it? It is a super long article. <laughs> All right. I'll spend, I'll spend this week reading it. Um, but that article, like the article that he sent, I just like Googled it as well as tried to look at it. You just um, go into incognito and then put in the. Can you read the whole thing Trump. if you do that? That's what I've heard and I've oh. experienced that a little bit. Okay. Well, in any case, uh, the study that they based a lot of their like assertions off of was withdrawn from the journal that it was sent to because of really poor methodology and inconsistencies in the data. And even the kinds of questions that they asked, like the authors made a public statement asking news outlets to stop using it because it was because they found like they rethought how they think about those questions they so thought their careers might be in jeopardy if people kept quoting it no 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 i mean first of all it was a federal like i think it was a federal organization who did it or it was like the national police association something but basically they asked the question out of I'm trying to remember. I mean, I, I just read this. I didn't like, read it, so I don't, I can't. No, I was reading the, essentially, like, why did they withdraw their art? Like, why did they withdraw their essentially published paper? Because, uh -huh. and they they had some, some interesting reasons. So I. How did it make it through the peer review process? I mean, if something is, one, I don't think the peer review process is as good as academics would like us to think. I think that's the main reason they. That's why I think COVID's a hoax. <laughs> yeah. How's that vaccine working for you? Seems to be pretty, pretty well. I did end up with a cold the next week. Oh boy. So it's, I'm waiting for my sixth toe to start growing. Or I think it was actually the government supposed to know where my location is. So I'm waiting oh. for federal agents to come through. For what? For this podcast? No, for 
for just their the person they their oh slave. go on yeah this is gonna this is gonna make a really good audio content I'm gonna cut cut all of your conspiracy ramblings because people only call it a conspiracy when they know it's true. That's that's nonsense. That's that's how you know it's true is when people call it a conspiracy, Daniel. You're a conspiracy guy. Well, what do you want to talk about? I mean, we've been. I mean, talking about. uh, I enjoyed talking about. I guess the Anglican Roman Catholic uh, similarities and differences. I have been reading uh, John Knox's uh, The First Blast of the Trumpet Against the Monstrous Regiment of Women, which he wrote as a uh, polemic against Mary, Queen of Scots, and Mary Tudor of England. Um, Sorry, can you say that title once more slower? The first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women. Huh. And when was this written? This was written, it would have been 1555, 56. Okay. So it's around the Protestant Reformation, at least. Well, because, I mean, Mary, because Mary, Bloody Mary died in 1558. Hmm. So, so it was between the time that Edward the sixth had, had died. And before between that time and the, which was 1553 and then, uh, Mary queen or, um, Elizabeth ascended the throne in 1558. So it was between 1550. And he references the fact that, uh, Cranmer and lady Jane gray and a bunch of others had already been put to death by bloody Mary. So, so that was 1554. So it was sometime between 1554 and 1558. I love that you're giving me all these references like they'll help me. Like like I know exactly when you what what's what's the backstory? What's the what's happening? Cuz at first when you said bloody mary I was thinking like well the drink. anyway. Was that? The drink? No, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking I was thinking French Revolution, but then that's that's actually like 1700s. Right. And so And, and the French Revolution that. was not a religious uh, yeah. Okay. So what? So so give us give give me the backstory. Like what's happening with Bloody Mary? Why is John Knox uh, writing about the first? Well, what do you know about John Knox? Nothing. First? Nothing. You don't know anything about John Knox. John Knox is like the forebearer of the Scotch Presbyterian Church, which is the forebearer of most of North American Presbyterianism. I'm ignorant. And in in terms, a lot of the concepts. How do you spell? How do you spell Knox? K-N-O-X. A lot of the concepts about rebelling against authority that actually um, were used by Presbyterian ministers during the Revolutionary War came from John Knox. I have some reading to do. And so with a lot of the discussions among Christians about how to interact with authority, I thought, and and with some appeals to to John Knox when it comes to uh, how we should respond against authority i thought it'd be worth actually reading what knox himself wrote hmm. and there's a there, there were <laughs> just so this i think epitomizes knox so at his funeral one of his friends gave the eulogy and in and i can't remember if it's in the eulogy and on his the epitaph on his gravestone or just the mm-hmm. epitaph on his gravestone there's something to the effect of 
Here lies a man who feared no flesh. Here lies a man who feared no flesh. And and his life embodied that. He had no problem calling some calling people out. He he actually was brought into the presence of Mary Queen of Scots a couple of times and reduced her to tears by calling her with the way he called her to repent hmm. of everything from being a woman queen to uh, establishing Roman Catholicism as the religion in Scotland. There was, why was he, why was he, I don't understand the, the first, like being a woman. Yeah. Being a woman. Who's well, in that's, that's, that's the whole point of the first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women. Knox viewed the fact that Mary Queen of Scots and Mary Bloody Mary, he viewed the fact that they were in a, in authority over England and Scotland as, as reasons for why Roman Catholicism was being reestablished on the island. Hmm. And as a, one of the, and Roman Catholicism was, was being reestablished on the island, both because of the nature of women in leadership and as judgment from God on England and Scotland for permitting women to rule over them unnaturally. Do you think he was right? I'm, I'm still reading. Okay. Go on. We can, we can have some more discussions on that, that front. Um, (laughs) There are some really, Hmm. I've been talking to my wife about it because it is interesting. He actually had a different translation of, um, the Bible than like the ESV. So you, when you compare what, what he writes when he's quoting from Genesis three, when God pronounces a curse on, on the ground and childbearing and on the serpent, um, the, the word, so, so the wording we get in the ESV is something like your, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you rule over you. It was more aggressive in Knox's translation Hmm. in terms of the conflict there between husband and wife brought on by the fall. Hmm. Okay. And, and Knox um, appropriately points to the fact that, that Paul in Timothy and Titus, it was definitely in Timothy. And then also in uh, Corinthians, when Paul makes provides reasons for why women may not do certain things, he appeals back to what happened in the garden in Genesis three, which is really uncomfortable to modern ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me uncomfortable. Uh, I can see that, but there's some things that Knox says that seem to be at odds with husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And and I say that while recognizing that there are paradoxes in, in scripture, like another thing my wife and I were talking about is how we are equals and I am her head, just to quote scripture sure. both yeah. ways, and oh, which, which not, sounds paradoxical not... or, mm-hmm. or it sounds incompatible, but in fact, it's a mysterious paradox, which is com- totally compatible. Right. Like Christ is the head of the church and yet the church is his body. Well, that makes sense when you're thinking about a human, right? There's a head and then there's a body. Mm-hmm. But not all of the body is a head. That is correct. 
Yeah. Huh. My wife and I have been talking about that off and on for a year and a half. We uh, just about like, uh, yeah, just women in leadership in general. And I guess I'm pretty firmly in the spot where it's like, I don't, yeah, as far as church leadership goes, I'm pretty well like, I don't think that women should be in a position of leadership there, right? Shouldn't have a, a woman lead pastor uh, outside of the church. I don't really care, right? Like that's, and yeah, that's just. And that's where I've been. But then reading Knox, it's it's given me, I wouldn't say it's necessarily convincing, especially when I read some of the stuff and the footnote says, I couldn't find this quote from Augustine that he is using as one of his points. But there are other quotes from Augustine Christostom which are very much support, like real quotes that are supporting Knox's point. So you have these, I mean, Augustine and Chrysostom are some of the uh, church fathers of church fathers yeah. <laughs> as far as Christianity goes. And, and so I have more difficulty discarding what they have said than together independently than what just like, if it was just Knox saying something. Sure. I would be, I don't know, trust the Holy Spirit. And then. Well, that's part of it too, is, is going, oh yeah, I haven't been sure about that. And I wonder how much of that uncertainty is due to wanting to go along with the way uh, modern culture wants me to go. Sure. That could be part of it. Part of it also could be St. Augustine, like didn't live in the time that we live in now. And what was different about people then? Um, I mean, the forms of government were quite different, right? That's one thing that's different. The, the, uh, there was a re I mean, Greece, Athens. Come on. The, the way that their Republic looked was very different than how ours does now. Right. Technology was different. Like there, there, there are a significant amount of differences between now and Augustine's time. Even with people, right? How they relate to Greece. One I mean, Athens predated Augustine. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I just because somebody, you know, I, I don't think that we should throw out things that the church fathers said just because they're, you know, a thousand, two thousand more years old. That would be a fallacy. Right. But just because they said it doesn't mean that it's gospel either. True. Right. So I, I just, you know, take it. Take it with a, yeah. Take it with a pinch of salt. Think about it, pray about it, and you know, trust that, yeah, trust that Jesus will guide you, right? But just because to you know, I, I I think that there's there's definitely you should consider what these very wise men have said. But I also don't think that you should take. I mean, yeah, they're just they're not their words are not inspired. And it sounds like some of the stuff that, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much poison in a, you know, in a pie to, to ruin the whole thing, or it doesn't take a whole lot of salt to, to make something super salty. Right. And so even if he's taking some things that are, are true from St. Augustine and Chris Austin, I don't know, like he, he doesn't necessarily have a, 
a right understanding if he's also taking things from a very different translation than the ones that we have today it's not a very different one i, I my guess is that you could get that translation going back to the original i'm sure kind of you like could. you can get a very different reading of the text depending on if you have the kjv or the esv yeah yeah and but clearly you have to interpret scripture with scripture which is which is what knox was doing in that in that section in one of the sections i was thinking about yeah is he was using paul's analysis of genesis 3 and then his extrapolation from that analysis through the inspiration of the holy spirit to inform thinking about the church and thinking about society at large. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm I'm sure that it's in the public domain now. So maybe I'll take a look. Oh yeah. It's definitely in the public domain. <laughs> I mean, when did the, when did the Gutenberg press? It was, in, well, it was in the 1500s. Yeah. Okay. So, about so it was time. before this, but. Well, but he was 1555 from whatever yeah. you were talking about. Maybe yeah. that was not when he. But Gutenberg, actually, maybe it was. I think Gutenberg was between between uh, Columbus and Luther, Columbus and the Ninety Five Theses. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's some of the stuff that I've been chewing on a little bit more. I've been chewing on um, Bavink's uh, writings in the Wonderful Works of God. Um, Bavink also has a has a who he was a Dutch. We've talked a little bit about him. He was a Dutch theologian in around the just pre World War One. He wrote a book or an article or treatise or whatever that I want to read about uh, entitled Women in Modern Society. What's got you focused on uh, on women's roles? Is there something in particular? Because, you know, both these these different things or was did one just like I'm, I'm no, reading this all, one thing by John Knox. And so now I want to read this other thing by Bob Inc. No, I've been thinking about women's roles a lot more ever since the twins were born. Mm. But and, and just kind of what does it mean to raise a, a Christian woman? The, the reason those popped in my head just now was I wasn't reading Knox for women's roles. I was reading Knox for relationship between Christians and, and government. And mm. the first thing, the first work that's in this compendium of his works on that, possibly his most famous one happens to be uh, focused on women as queens. Is that, uh, where did you grab that from? Did you grab it from like Gutenberg.org or whatever? No, it was, it was a book on my parents' bookshelf. Oh, you got it. It's, it's a book called On Rebellion. Mm, okay. So it's, 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 it's kind of a collection of letters and essays by Knox and also some history on his life. I'll see if I can find it on the internet. But part of, also part of what got me interested in that was talking to Isaac Madsen, who we've had on the podcast before, about how Knox really did inform a more aggressive view when it comes to Christians and their relationship to government than the continental um, reformed churches mm. had. When, when and, you say continental, so, you mean like continental Europe? I mean, yeah. So, so the, okay. the Dutch and Swiss. So, so yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Well, no, that, that was a good clarification. So I, I'm, I was, because of the influence he's had, I, I really wanted to read his own words um, 
on on the subject, and specifically the influence he's had in America on the Amer the American the Christ, the American Christian psyche, I guess. Yeah, because we would be pretty affected by where we. I mean, Scotch Presbyterians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of segues, or excuse me, <laughs> speaking of segues, uh, speaking of podcast guests, uh, you and I had talked about possibly. I said, having, yeah, yeah, Kyle Blomgren, uh, who has a podcast. D.O. Yeah, so his podcast is not about doctoring, though. And I said, do you want to do a collaboration? And you were like, yeah, let's have him on. Well, that would be having him as a guest. And then you said, Daniel, I don't know that I want to do a role-playing game as a podcast. And you said you you were scared of it and that we could talk about it tonight. Oh, that's right. So that's not actually what I what I said, but well, I did say I, I was scared of something. But I scared, I said I was scared of creating fiction. Creating fic? Why? <laughs> Why is no no? Let's hold on. Let's look at the text. Hmm. You can't interpret my words for me. I can do whatever I like. Oh, that's true. You can interpret my words for me, but they hold no weight. That's right. You got it. So you said. Maybe we should do an episode about why I'm more nervous about ad-libbing fiction than facts. Those, those are your exact words. And then I said that we could talk about it today, and you did a thumbs up. And I will not continue to read the conversation. Oh, you should. Uh, you should just read our whole text thread. I don't know that that makes good audio audio content okay. for... I thought maybe there was something juicy in there. Uh, No, no, not particularly. Just that... Well, so part of what... One, that sounded fun to me. And so I just thought, I was actually like nervous to text you about it. So when you immediately were like, yeah, let's do a collaboration with Kyle. I was like, wow, I, uh, I'm i surprised that he wants to do a role playing game with me. And, uh, and, then, and then I got more clarification later. But um, I don't know why I was nervous to text you about that. Probably because I thought it's very different than what we do now. It is very different. Though. So part of why I thought it would be fun is one, I just like doing that right uh, you know a lot of yeah it's just interesting to me but also what's interesting about it role-playing games in general um i so you and i've actually talked about uh role-playing games on this we just talked about playing games really we talked about playing games yeah we talked about playing games and so practicing different things practicing different skills like negotiation creativity in general like that's kind of what you get to do. And then there's, there's a chance of, there's a random, random element chance in there. And so you have to think on your feet and, um, how do you win? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're serious or not. Are you serious? I, I, I am sort of serious. Cause when I, when, when you talk about games and creativity, I, I start thinking about chess and the creativity of creating situations within so... a strategy to eliminate the opponent's pieces <laughs> <laughs> and put their king in checkmate. Have you like, huh? Okay. So with a role-playing game, you are going through adventures, trying to level up your character and pass through challenges that the uh, game master puts in front of you. So uh, while you don't have a, you typically, although we could make a, like we could have a game where it's really clear that we did or didn't win. Um, or that you well wouldn't it be clear if someone stopped playing that they had died? You would know if you died, Kyle. Um, but typically you'll win, like you'll 
succeed at an account an encounter and even when you fail like there's ways that you can in the same way that in life when you don't get the thing that you want usually no failure is so final that you're done with and not even not even necessarily death right in the games there are ways to in different games there's there's sometimes play after death like where you can be you can come back or you can um, haunt the person who killed you you <laughs> it depends on the game i'm sure there are some like that but no not drive them insane no i mean anyway yeah so so that's when when i'm talking about creativity it's like well you know there's different kinds of puzzles that you'll have to figure out there's you know you have different i don't know yeah it's super nerdy like i don't like that was part of why i was kind of surprised that you said yeah that sounds fine because i don't think that you've played those kinds of games i did an escape room once it's just like that but different it's just like that, but not at all. I didn't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> we can have Kyle on as a guest. He might, he might, he might like that. I don't know. We'd have to ask him. I as soon as you said yes, I texted him, and what did I say? I love that I get to just cut out all the quiet. This makes me so happy. Silence is powerful. Uh, I said I texted him as soon as you texted me, and I said, "Would you be interested in running a game for me and Kyle for our podcast?" I thought it would be. <laughs> Yeah, so that is exactly how I took them. Would that be episode twenty? Uh, this is episode. Uh, this is episode nineteen. So yeah, I think we this could... is episode nineteen. Well, here's here. the thing. Here's the thing. All right, him and I were talking about time. It's gonna be like October that he can do it, and I can do it. When in October? I don't know. We were gonna. I mean, we were gonna have to figure that out between the three of us. Well, we were gonna talk about uh, fiction. Like I, I do view this podcast as ad libbing facts. So, but it's not ad libbing. It's which not is ad-libbing. why it's good that we have like people like Kyle and James to fact check me. <laughs> well, that you don't. Think, I guess maybe I don't make quite as many assertions as you. That's probably the big a big difference between us. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, part of it is not as well read in general. Um, although it just so I was talking with. Uh, I, I told you about you, you and Stuart talked some time back. Yeah. And uh, so he was visiting. That was fascinating. Yeah. He's a super interesting dude. And uh, he's, I forgot how articulate he is, man. I just like, I sat down and talked with him for an hour and he, there's like, there's people that you meet that are really well read. And then there's people that you just like, they just, his thoughts are very clear in the way that he expresses them and um he said that, that he he tried to be very uh, him and i were talking you talked about you for you know half a minute yeah and he said he tried not to convince you one way or the other but he thought maybe he had convinced you not to when he told you how long it was going to take to be a was it orthopedic is that what you were interested in and and that well at the time i wasn't sure but eventually what did decide it for me was given my background and interests, surgery is what I would want to do. Yeah. But surgery is also would mean throwing away four to six years of my kids' lives. Yeah. Which is not insignificant, not by a long shot. Which is non-negotiable for me. Yeah. In my current situation, there's I have no reason to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can conceive of situations where that would be a sacrifice I'd make, but I don't have to make 
So you're not going to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as far as, uh, why are we, why were we talking about Stuart? Cause he's Man. so articulate because the back of his brain is on the front of his tongue. <laughs> Something like that. Um, no, that wasn't it, man. Um, so you sat down to talk with him because he was in town. Um, hmm. This happens from time to time. You're we talking talk. about being able to re- being able, being well read versus being articulate. Yeah, maybe I finished my thought. Um, I don't think but, you did. Yeah. Describe more of your conversation with Stuart. I, I think that'd be fascinating. Well, what's uh, so he's actually going to he to actually he left an hour ago. And is flying with to, his family. Yeah, flying to Alabama to do his kind of final training, and then goes mm-hmm. off to language school, and will be in. We should probably what? Oh, we should probably we? edit out where he's going as a Christian missionary. Sure, that's it. Sounds good. Anyway, so he's going off to the mission field to um, be in. Basically, he's he's in. OBGYN. Yeah. Um for like I think he was saying that like either I don't remember which was worse, but one of them was like one in four women or one in four children die in childbirth. Right. It's one of the countries with the highest rates of um infant and mother mortality. Maternal fetal mortality. Yeah. Because of complications with childbirth. Mm-hmm. Because of the large number of very young Mothers at the first birth, um, and I think, I think they also lack a lot of um, medical yes. like, supplies and and knowledge. Um, anyway, so he's uh, he's going to serve. Uh, he'll be in in language school for a period of time, and then and then he'll be in. Um, and then yeah, he's he's really excited and um, a little nervous, but. but the cool uh, thing is, it sounds like his. Like his wife is totally on board with it too. She's going to be working as a nurse over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, yeah. And he was telling me about how, like, as soon as they kind of started down this path, like they involved their kids, and so their 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 sons. Um, <laughs> one of the stories he was telling me, like, uh, we're going to be missionary, like uh, people on the plane, like they're telling people, like, oh, we're going to go be missionaries. Is there anything you need from God? And uh, and then and then apparently one of the kids has said one of them was like, "Oh, where are you from?" Like, "Oh, we're homeless. We just stay at, <laughs> we just stay at random people's houses." And then and then my buddies and then Stuart's like, "No, no, no, that's your grandma's house. It's not just your <laughs> person." <laughs> his his kids sound like uh, pretty funny, um, pretty smart, pretty smart. Yeah, just like dad, just like dad. Yeah. Well, as far as like fiction and play back to like, I don't know if you want to talk about RPG stuff anymore or yeah. uh, just like, I think the, the value in that, what would be interesting is you and I talk about problem solving a lot mm-hmm. and this would provide an avenue for problem solving on the, on the spot. And Kyle is one of, one of like, I've played with a handful of different game masters and he's very good. He's very, very thoughtful. He, um, I would trust that he would put together something that, that we would enjoy quite a bit. That being said, 
if you can't get into character at all, it's not going to be as much fun. Um, and you just have to pay attention. Those are basically the kind of two, like you have to think, you have to think as if you're the person that you're playing and pay attention. Those are kind of the two like main, main rules. Um, that be so so that's the like that's the ask right and you cut that out and the like other option is him coming on and talking about doctoring stuff which you basically thought that that was what i was asking that is exactly what i thought you were asking about <laughs> so if we were to talk about doctoring stuff if we were to talk about doctoring stuff what would what would you want to talk about with him that i would be able to participate in um, honestly, I, I can't think of something very specific at this point. We can talk about all your conspiracy theories about COVID. Thanks to Harmonic Hemispheres for the music. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed, then please share with someone else. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.